Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. I'm Shane Hewitt here on The Shift. Andrew Ferrer is here too, and Ray is here too. He's the quiet one in the corner. Say something. He doesn't say much. Say something. Something. There we go. Hey, see? There you go. I'm alive. It's all over it. All right. uh, Can we do an Are You Okay? Should we do an Are You Okay? I'm okay with that. Let's do Are You Okay. Ray, you're already there for Are You Okay? I can see his mouth hovering over it. He's he's, he's, he's ready to go. All right. Yeah, you guys are all close. Pop that down. Wow, that's loud. There we go. Jeez. Are You Okay for the thing too loud? I'm fine with it. I make that mistake all the time when I do that. So. All right. We got to start over, Ray, because I wasn't ready. There we go. Are you okay with a student getting punished for sharing a picture of her school? Are you okay with a student being punished for sharing a picture of her school? I mean, no. 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 I posted many pictures of my school when I was in high school and, and college. I, it's fine. You would think it's okay, right? Like. There's no, unless there's an explicit rule that was like, oh, you're not allowed to take pictures of the school for some, I don't know, asinine reason, but. Secrets, it, man. Secret curriculum. Figure there's tons of schools that's got to be on online taking pictures of anyway. So Super what's wrong with this case? Right? Yeah. I don't know. All right. I don't know. I don't like that. I mean, yeah. what could be, what could be top secret at a school? <laughs> really? No, if you, if you pay attention to like, you know, any, you know, any like kind of cartoons there's probably some hidden government organization that trains students to be like soldiers underground or something but in the real world i i don't know <laughs> if it's the smoke pit someone's gonna cut, get caught smoking uh-oh oh come on we know. all know what happens there all right um are you okay with a student getting punished for sharing her picture of her school and then having that very school have an outbreak of covid19 what let's get the audio this image taken at North Paulding High School in Dallas, Georgia by 15-year-old Hannah Waters. And it shows students transitioning between classes. You can see there, few are wearing masks and they are walking shoulder to shoulder through the halls. But the photo captures more than just the absence of social distancing. It really captures the fear felt by students, parents, and teachers alike that despite every district's best efforts, you can't control everything. Joining us now from Canton, Georgia, with more on this story is NBC's Shaq Brewster. And Shaq, this story has really gripped America's attention because there's been punishment, extreme punishment imposed on that student who took the photo. But it also raises a lot of concerns about in-person learning this fall. Within just the past hour alone, we have news that 250 Georgia students and teachers now quarantined after the first week of school in the Cherokee County School District. What are people saying there? Yeah, Lindsay, you know, that photo really reflecting the concerns of families all across the state as they make the decision on whether or not to send their kids back to school in person this fall. It is here in Cherokee County where, as you mentioned, the numbers now more than 260 students and staff in quarantine, under quarantine orders, after about 21 of them tested positive for the coronavirus in just the first week of school. I've been here talking to parents all day long, and I want you to hear one conversation I had with a mother who contracted the virus back in June. She has an asthmatic kindergartner, but she said it was important that she was back in school this fall. Listen here. 
it was her first year of elementary school. I didn't want to take that away from her. Um, I was with her, you know, throughout the time that she was not in school, and when pre-K was cut short, she was devastated. Meanwhile, Hillary Porterfield got a letter from her school just yesterday saying that her daughter, someone in her daughter's school, also tested positive for the virus. But listen to how she says the attitude among her daughter has changed since that letter came to her. You know, she was very, I want to go to school, I want to see my friends. Now, yesterday she told me that she said, I want you to look for other options of where I can just do online school somewhere else. Um, self-guided, anything, because she said, I just don't want to be one of those students. Districts are really figuring this out in real time. In Gwinnett County, the largest county in this state, they're starting virtual, but then they're going to phase in classes, the return of classes week by week. So just to be clear, I should, I guess, ask the question maybe differently. Are you okay with a school, a student getting punished for sharing pictures of her school that show nobody was social distancing, a whole bunch of people got sick, and school got busted? Yep. And so I would, I would say it's cool that she shared it. I don't think it's cool that she got punished. No, absolutely not. And you know what they touched on there? Uh, just they said she was punished. She was suspended. Really? Eh? She was suspended for sharing that image. And uh, just as of uh essentially this weekend uh there are nine confirmed covid-19 cases at that high school wow that's not going to be encouraging andrew for everyone who's sitting here going um you know back to school back to school no. and mm. you, the thing the thing that i really liked about that piece and you can speak to this cuz you're a parent um you know imagine if that's you know that could be your kid's school right that mm-hmm. could be any one of you know any any of our listeners it could be their kid's schools Right. How would you feel about that? Right. Like, imagine, you know, first the the kind of uproar of being like, why did this kid get punished for showing what's really happening? And then, oh, God, there is nine cases confirmed. And, you know, most, you know, major schools in major Canadian cities have, you know, anywhere between, you know, twelve hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred kids. Yeah. All in close proximity. It's it's dicey. Uh, it's going to be dicey. In Alberta, they've put in the uh, masks for the kids in school. So that's going to be a thing. I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear that one. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out with kids because they tend to touch and do all the things. You know, water fountains are <laughs> gone away. That's what they do. Um, but uh, it'll, be, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, that's for sure. And that's not going to be reassuring. 877-399-9898. Your calls, your text. John uh, says, hey, Shane, aren't students back in school by September? How students, our students in school now? John, ironically, I know the answer to that question only because my best friend Eve lives in Cumming, Georgia, just outside Atlanta. And the story was from Georgia. And down in Georgia, they go back to school um, at the end of July, early August. And they're out for June and July. And they do that because of the heat. That's what I was told, because it's yeah. so hot. Yeah in August. So the kids are inside with the air conditioning and stuff like that, because during the summer, um, it's just so hot for such a burnout that they split up the summer a little bit differently. At least that's how I understood it, John. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, hi, Shane, just tuned in line is texting working tonight. Yes. Anonymous texter. Your text. Uh, it is working. That's how John got their text through. And so did yours as well. So there you go. So feel free um, to do that uh, too. There is, there is one thing that I want to mention here in the, uh, I'm on Ars Technica. It's where I found the story originally. Uh, yeah. As of 3.50 p.m. Eastern um, on Sunday, 
Uh, North Paulding High School announced that it has canceled in-person instruction for Monday and Tuesday, August 10th and 11th, because of the nine cases and, quote, the possibility that number could increase if there are currently pending tests that prove positive. Remote learning will continue while the school is closed. So we're starting to see this mass backpedaling already in, in schools where you know, cases have come up. And one thing that I think is really scary with uh, this, you know, schools is, is definitely one of the things, but any kind of soon to be reopening high density area is we're getting, you know, reports that, you know, it could be up to a, you know, a third, maybe even close to 40% of cases are asymptomatic. So just because, you know, nobody in your class is coughing or hacking, it doesn't mean that nobody has it. Right. And I think that is one of the really scary parts about this. If, you know, if I was, you know, if I was still in college right now, um, not that I was in college all that long ago, but, you know, turn the clock back three years and drop me in a, uh, at the BC, uh, British Columbia Institute of Technology. Uh, if this was happening back then, I would not go to class. I would be like, look, this is, this is insanity. Yeah, but, you know, um, here's the thing. I'm uh, I'm curious because I'm curious about the COVID kids now, mm. the high school kids that have missed so much school because of COVID. Will it impact yeah. them at universities? Will it impact the COVID university kids that have done so much online training to get their degrees where businesses might say, what year did you graduate? Oh, I got my diploma or my degree in 2021. And they go, oh, Ooh. okay. And I'm curious if that's going to have an impact there. And I'm curious, like it affects hockey kids too, right? Because I mean, their hockey has you know, drafting structure and all those things. Yep. So now, you know, they did do the, the the Bantam drafts this year into junior. So that's good. That was done. Mm-hmm. But it might mean that if there's no season this year or a partial season or whatever, there could be a gap of kids that just don't have the opportunity to, to play hockey as a career. So because of the fact that they're, they get branded now as COVID kids because they don't have the same experience. Right. I That'd absolutely think that, that that's a very real possibility because there's there's no denying that there is no uh, kind of competition between in-person learning and online. Um, you know, I know for a fact that even, you know, here in radio, um, I've heard from, from, from people who are going through it right now, who are graduating, those, their practicums, their, their entries into the industry got canceled mm-hmm. because they all happened right when lockdowns really started to kick up. You know, this is going to affect you know this you know this year's graduating class and the graduating class for i would argue the next 4 or 5 years while yeah. things slowly start to hopefully spin back to some kind of normal there there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be you know sly looks at resumes when you you know point out oh i graduated in 2020 there's going to people i think are going to put you know a little asterisk beside that you know will they be as well you know whatever it is you're doing trained educated etc due to the circumstances and it's no fault of yourself but due to the circumstances of the world at the time yeah. and you know i i would hope that you know any hiring manager or hr person that goes to those resumes is able to kind of cast that aside and go you know the education is the same and you know as much as it's different uh, this isn't something that, you know, we're not going to ram it through just because we need to have, you know, some kind of level playing field. The, the level playing field is gone. Yeah. And there, it, it's meaningless and fruitless to try and, and bring it back right now because the world just isn't in a place where I think you can safely do it. Well, I hope it's not the case. But I hope so. 
Well, I mean, things are changing forever. In fact, that does kind of lead us to our next story. A couple of weeks ago, this was the latest news that we really heard about traveling uh, with Are You Okay? So are you okay with getting on an airplane today? I would do it, yeah. yeah I did it. Depends today. where. Within Canada, yeah. But if I'm flying international, hmm. When I was at Pearson today, man, there was a flight uh, There was a flight from, I think it was Saudi or Abu Dhabi. There was a plane there. There was a, a Chinese airline sitting there. There was Aeromexico sitting there. They're all sitting, although there was four uh, border services uh, vehicles surrounding the Aeromexico plane, which I was curious. So, ooh, hmm. I wonder what happened there. But um, so, I mean, there, those flights are happening. There was, I looked at the board. There was London Heathrow. Um, yeah, there was uh, all kinds of Dubai. There was uh, New York. Um, yeah, there was all kinds of stuff up on the board. So would you go? Yeah. Interesting. I all would- right, let's get the audio here from this clip. During what should be the height of the summer travel season, Canada's busiest airport is eerily quiet. Air travel has taken a massive hit because of the pandemic, but there are still thousands of people flying into and across the country, some bringing the virus with them. The Canadian government has flagged at least 31 flights so far this month for possible COVID-19 exposure. 17 of those were international flights. According to the Canada Border Service Agency, the number of international passengers arriving at Canadian airports each week has tripled since early May. Between June 29th and July 12th, roughly 91,300 travellers entered Canada by air. The good news is because of cabin air filtration systems and policies requiring people wear masks, the virus doesn't seem to spread easily on the flights themselves. I think at the end of the day, if the question is, can you get COVID-19 on an airplane? The answer is yes, of course you can. But I think the risk is much smaller than what people think. It's what happens after passengers land that's more of a concern. It's why anyone entering the country is required to quarantine for 14 days though Air Canada would like to see those rules relaxed. There are a bunch of options out there, and I think it's important to have that discussion and see what would make sense. Among those options, allowing more travel with countries with low rates of transmission. But this infectious disease specialist says that option comes with risk. We've also seen countries that have done a good job of of getting the curve flat, and then they've had flare-ups. It's why Ottawa says air travel rules will remain in place for now. Preventing uh, international travel on, uh, is, uh, is a continued thing we need to do. Because even with restrictions, health officials are seeing how easily COVID-19 can take flight. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Now, as a guy who does flown in, in, inside Canada, you know, a little bit through the course of the summer, just by the nature of my life, I can tell you that is I am more comfortable on an airplane today than I have been um, ever before because there has always been room except for today i counted Uh 166 of 178 seats on my flight today wow that's almost that's that's well that's ostensibly a full plane toronto to calgary and then there was i was originally going to fly direct from ottawa to calgary today and it was there was four seats available on that plane i don't know how many um i don't know how many um how many seats were on the plane though but still, you know, four empty seats, you know, that, that's ostensibly a full plane. Uh-huh. That, that kind of, that surprises me, honestly. Uh. 
that you know not that i doubt the safety of airline of, of airplanes like like you know mentioned in the piece there um i i do believe they're safer than the you know the majority of the public wants to believe that they are i, I think they're much safer than you know milling about in the arrivals area i think that's well, a lot more dangerous you know what i think is way more safe if you looked at how many people were getting up picking up their bags being greeted by people and if you go into the airports uh, everywhere you go uh, the only place there's hand sanitizer that I saw between Calgary and Toronto and Ottawa was after security. Wow. So I think when you get on the plane, at least I've been flying with WestJet. So when you get on a the plane, they hand you a, a, wet, a wet wipe, you know, and mm. disinfectant wipe. So you can wipe down anything that you want to touch. Um, so you can use that to wipe your hands too. Of course, it's hard on your skin, but you can do it. And your phone and whatever. All of those things. I, I think the airplane them, itself is cleaner than the airport. Absolutely. I would, I would guess based on the fact that there's no hand sanitizer anywhere. Now there are bathrooms you can use soap, but uh, there's no hand sanitizer and, conveniently. And I, I, you would think that the minute you got off a plane, there would be a, a hand sanitizer tower right there for. Yeah. Uh, just a bit of a PSA. If, if you're worried about this kind of stuff, the government of Canada has an online portal that tells you uh, domestic flights with confirmed cases. Mm. Um, so you can look at that and it'll tell you, you know, uh, for instance, I'm just going to just pick one out of random here. Uh, if you're on Air Canada Flight 427, that was from Montreal to Toronto, August the 1st. If you were in rows 13 to 19, you may have been exposed to COVID-19. And there so you can find this list if you just Google, you know, COVID flight exposure Canada. It's the first link. Uh, so if you or a loved one are worried uh, about possible, you know, possible infection, because, you know, like they said, these, inf- these infections do spread on planes. Uh, if you're worried... Please, you know, go look this website up uh, right now from July 26th onwards until the present day, October, uh, sorry, October, time has lost all meaning, August uh, 9th uh, or 10th, depending on where you are right now. Um, there are 25 domestic flights with confirmed exposures and on international flights, there's 29. Yeah. So, I mean, but when you look at all the places that you go, the grocery stores and all the things, I mean, yep, you get a little more space than you do in an airplane, but I got to tell you, it's been fantastic. Dwayne says, I would be a little iffy about flying, but would do it if I had to. Don says, flying from Thunder Bay to Ottawa with layover in Toronto, August 20th. Domestic flights only for me, as this is risky Mm -hmm. as well. There's no doubt that being outside doing things is risky, for sure. Um, But I got to tell you, man, the amount of people, because everyone's wearing the masks and following the rules, as opposed to some of the stories you go into and the other places, they're most certainly not. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt here on the Shift. We have to admit from time to time we get tempted. I don't want to cook. I don't want to cook at all. Well, what do we do? Well, we would like to support some of the local businesses in our area, plus not cook. That's a thing. Joining me now to talk about this a little bit is Mark Von Schelwitz, Western Canada Vice President, Restaurants Canada, Development of Non-Exploitive Third-Party Delivery Apps is our conversation. Non-exploitive, what are you talking about? Mark Von Schelwitz, welcome to the show. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'm going to uh, pull back the curtain for anybody who doesn't know. I'll be the bad guy in this, Mark. Don't worry. Um, Skip the Dishes has a fantastic business model for Skip the Dishes. Uh, I have a friend of mine, and I do speak from experience. It's not my business, but he owns uh, multiple restaurants. So I get to hear the uh, the inside conversation about how hard it is for restaurants before COVID uh, with Skip the Dishes, the different delivery apps, because the only one who was really getting served in that was not the drivers, because the drivers get paid all right, but it, you know it's it's up and down. It's inconsistent at best. I mean, there was class action lawsuits at one point in order to sort out some of that stuff. That'll just give you some insight about how it was for the drivers. For the restaurants, 
you know, they can't sell the alcohol. You're not in the dirtying dishes and taking up space. But at the same time, there's such a big chunk being taken from this by the delivery app. And um, they're making money all over the place, not the restaurants. So that's just what it is. Now insert COVID. And that's where I say, hey, Mark, how's everybody doing? Well, Shane, and, uh, you know, excellent question. I mean, COVID was uh, uh, a game changer as far as the sales mix for restaurants are concerned. Uh, obviously, we were shut down for a couple of months where takeout and delivery was your only sales uh, model with no on-premise dining for a while. So the importance of takeout and delivery is is much greater than it was before COVID. And, you know, third-party delivery companies worked with our industry beforehand. It helped the restaurants with inventory and cash flow. But really, the restaurateur was never really making any money and was very much a small incremental part of their overall sales mix. Now it's much more important. And I've heard from numerous members, probably like your friend, that uh, uh, have been saying, look, what is the point of doing this? I'm not making any money. I'm basically working for the third-party delivery company. So we're certainly encouraging more competition in that uh, third-party delivery space. And uh, hopefully that uh, that competition will drive down some of the prices. Um, but, but ultimately, it's got to be a win-win situation for both the third-party party delivery company and the restaurant. Otherwise, what's the point? And as a result of what's been happening in the last couple of months, we've seen a number of jurisdictions in the United States and in California, San Francisco specifically, Seattle, New York, that have all imposed a 15% cap on these third-party delivery fees to make up more of a win-win situation for the delivery app company and the restaurateur. And we're now advocating for that same thing. Uh, and that was certainly part of Restaurants Canada's uh, recovery brief to the provincial government here is, is our members are increasingly saying we need some sort of a cap or we need more competition to come in to make sure that we're driving down prices. And I know that there are some smaller local companies entering that space and hopefully they can provide a better business model that works for restaurants. Well, and it's a tough one to get into because they're so big now, those big companies that um, you access to drivers, access to restaurants, a variety of menus to choose from. There are so many different ways to do it. And there is a little bit of guilt here on the restaurateurs. And um, just to be honest in the conversation is that what happened was is restaurant owners were presented with, hey, by the way, you don't have to put this on your website. We've got something you just plug it in and go. You don't have to build an online menu anymore. You don't have to build online ordering anymore. We'll take care of that for you. And we're just going to make a commission off the sale of the food. So many restaurant owners not being website developers said, done, good deal. Turns out in the long run, now they're really under the gun with some of these delivery companies because now they have to go rebuild new menus with new companies and it's going to take even more work, isn't it? No, most, no, most definitely. And, you know, a lot of uh, restaurant term members that I've been talking to are saying, look, don't use these third-party delivery companies. We'll do our own delivery. And we had a lot of um, many owner-operators actually going out and delivering their own food. And um, But now I think some of them are getting into that space. But to your point, there's an upfront capital cost to doing that. You have to hire drivers, you have to have the safety, the vehicles. Uh, so that isn't exactly the ideal situation for a lot of restauranters either. What they'd really like to see is those third-party delivery apps that uh, provide give their brand a little bit more exposure. So it's not just calling uh, one of the big delivery app companies. It's uh, a smaller company that says, ah, we will deliver, uh, you know, restaurant X's food, uh, and we'll do it for a fee that is much more reasonable than the 25-30% that uh, a lot of these uh, third-party delivery companies are, are charging. Well, and 
it, there was some business deals that went on because these aren't even Canadian companies anymore in some cases, right? Like some of the biggies, I mean, they were gobbled up by big companies and, you know, they were maybe developed by, you know, Canadians who did great things and had great ideas, but these things have been gobbled up by big companies now. So if your idea is that I want to go and I want to support local, so I'm going to order skip the dishes from, you know, Steve's Pizza down the street. Chances are Steve's actually not making any money on that deal and your money's leaving the country. It's not even staying local as opposed to if you went to, you know, uh, Winnipeg's food delivery service.com or whatever. I just made that up. Um, then you might be supporting local at least. Exactly. And I think there are some local companies. I've heard of a few examples that are starting up a really sort of uh, not the Cadillac version, just the sort of basic Volkswagen version of a delivery company, which is really all our restaurateurs want is somebody to uh, is to deliver that food on their behalf so that they don't have to. So uh, I think there's a real opportunity there for some smaller local players to get in the market. And we'd certainly encourage them to do that. And I think you're going to find as well, though, that more and more restaurants are going to be doing their own delivery as well. Once they they've established the fact that this is now becoming uh, a very important part of their, their sales mix, they have to be able to make some money off of it. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, literally they're working for somebody else. And it's tough enough out there right now with restaurants uh, trying to break even. Uh, that every little bit helps. Mark Von Schellwitz with Restaurants Canada. So, Mark, what is it uh, What is it that we look for? How can this get better? I mean, third-party um, apps, I mean, they're coming. They take time. There's, again, there's the capital up front again. And, you know, we might be presented with having to have three, four, five different apps on our phones in order to be able to get the menu that we're looking for and not all in one place. Of course, one of the conveniences of the biggies. So how do we cut through all that, Mark, and make sure that the locals are getting uh, not exploited, that when they, you know, sell a pizza, they're not making $2 on a, on a $40 pizza deal. They're actually making a, a handsome income that they can survive on. How do we do that, but still battle this this sort of, I'm the little guy here? Yeah, no, I mean, first and foremost, what our members would say is, look, call the restaurant directly and ask for whatever takeout that we can do. That way we can track our our guests a lot closer and uh, we can organize the delivery for that if that's a possibility. Uh, secondly, uh, look for those local um, third-party delivery companies that are working with restauranters uh, and, uh, you know, still, by all means, work with Skip and some of the big uh, third-party delivery app companies. We're, we're not against them, but in that circumstance, until the marketplace is sort of sorted out, because this is still a relatively new industry and especially after COVID, it's really gone through a transformation to cap those fees at 15%. It works in Seattle, it works in San Francisco, it works in New York. So obviously the third-party delivery companies can make a go of it at that, and, and so and it leaves a little bit left over for the restaurants. So those are some of the examples of how I see this thing evolving, but uh, it's going to be very, very uh, clear that takeout and delivery is here to stay. So before before I let you go, though, one of the um, one of the pieces of the puzzle that I recently sort of came aware of is somebody had said about shopping local. Had said, "Well, you know, let's go to Paul's Pizza," and um, apparently every pizza joint is named after the owner's first name in my world. Um, <laughs> let's go to Paul's Pizza and uh, and let's do that. Well, don't go to Subway because you know we want to support local. Not to be forgotten that. Some of those little stores like Subway is just mom and pop franchise buyers, right? Um, can you speak to that? Because that's it's incredibly important to not forget. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's really true. A lot of people say that when you're supporting a local, it has to be a small little independent local restaurant. But remember, the vast majority of chain restaurants are also operated and owned by local business people. Yes, they pay some franchise fees to these franchises like Subway, for example. But these are still small local businesses. They're small businesses, and, and they're certainly not a big corporate entity, which I, I think some people are confused about as soon as they see some of these big brands. They're assuming it's a big corporation. In actual fact, most of those locations are owned by, by local small businesses that are, that are what we call franchisees that uh, pay a franchise fee, but they are very much local businesses as well. Yeah, not to be forgotten. Thanks so much for the time. Any uh, last minutes, uh, things you want to throw in there, Mark, to, that we, we shouldn't forget and, or maybe a little reminder about how we support local? Yes, and I guess, you know, we did an initiative earlier this year called Takeout Wednesdays, and uh, we just ask all your staff, whether it's on-premise or all your guests, whether it's on-premise dining or whether it's takeout, uh, the industry needs you now more than ever. And uh, also, as the third largest private sector employer, our employees need you to support our industry now more than ever. Yeah, never met a happier bunch to go to work um, than those folks too, because hospitality is a big word. And um, they live in that world of having guests and treating people and hosting for them. And it's, uh, it's cool to watch when it's firing on all cylinders. And I don't know if you've, uh, what's well, like having the friends that like to have the friends over for the parties, you know, they're always the happiest when they've got their friends over. And that's really applies to these people too. And, um, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak for a lot of them. Um, and you know, we're not going to come out of this one unscathed. So whatever we can do to help. Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, my pleasure. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Let's go to Garth in Calgary and say hey to Garth. What's up, Garth? Hey, how are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good. I just got a, a message on the skip. So if you go to an app, let's just say that you go to the, uh, and I use Little Caesars as an example. They have a six ninety nine pizza, but if you go to the app on Skip the Dishes and you're the person ordering, it's nine ninety nine. so they've increased it 33%. Yeah, that's because how much money Skip takes. No, the pizza's nine ninety nine. So the yeah. customer is paying nine ninety nine, not six ninety nine. If you walked in there, that's right. And the reason why it's more on the app is because that's how much money Skip the Dishes is taking. Okay, but Skip the Dishes, the restaurant's not losing any because the pizza's only six ninety nine. No, but they have to do that in order to do that, right? And not all the restaurants do that. And some of the restaurants change the menu. Uh, for a different menu online than what's available for the restaurant. So if you go to your favorite pub, for example, and you're used to getting like a, I don't know, what's a, a good sandwich, like a really good club sandwich with some fries and stuff like maybe a waffle fry. Let's just get right into this. Maybe gravy's free with your big waffle fries or whatever it is. Well, you might not actually get the same sandwich. You might get it on a bun in the takeaway, right? Because they can't yeah. afford to do it the same. Um, and do it the same way because they take such a big chunk. Now, when you look at some of the big restaurants and the massive chains, they negotiate differently as well. So, okay, but I, McDonald's would for sure. But I would imagine. But let me just say it again: if if the restaurant is charging you ten bucks, uh-huh. and the the app is asking for fifteen, the consumer is paying that, not the restaurant. That's right. How do you figure that? Well, well, they are paying. The rest, well, see, I rest, know, that's my point. But they have to do it, so they okay, have but, to. But the restaurant the has to charge more because they they're losing money. But the restaurant isn't charging more. The app is. Yeah. Well, that's the restaurant might say so. They so might say the that if they lose, how are they losing thirty percent? If are, they're charging because people aren't buying the food, man. App. 
People aren't buying the food. You're arguing my point. The people are buying the food. What do you mean they're not? Do you know how many orders a day that app gets? Garth, we can have a conversation about this and talk about it and take turns and, you know, kind of play tennis. That's kind of the way conversations go, or we don't have to. It's up to you. But I'm going to tell you, this conversation doesn't work if you interrupt me every time I go to speak. Because you asked me questions, like five different questions there. And did not let me answer one of them. So which would you like to do? Would you like to continue this conversation or not? Well, of course. Okay, well, I would like to continue the conversation. You're assuming that the $3 difference on the pizza is enough to cover the cost and the difference between the two, first of all. You and I don't know that. We don't know that. I can tell you from my personal experience with my friend who owns 15 restaurants that it's not enough. And I agree, it's not. Okay, so the $3 difference that's getting bumped to the consumer on the app is not enough to cover the difference of what they would make if you come in the store. And so now maybe that's a bad example because $6.99 and $3.99, $3 margin is probably pretty reasonable on that one. But so that's, that's the way that these things go. So the consumer is paying and the restaurants have to bump the price. So what do you think it does to the restaurant's brand when they're charging $21 for a club sandwich that you can buy in the store for 15 where do you think people remember the price from when they say, well, do you want it? Hey, let's go out to Bob's pub. I'm not going to Bob's pub. It's expensive. Well, they may never have been in Bob's pub, but the only prices they've seen are the prices on skip because that's the price they have to charge. Okay. I see your point there. I just don't that's think the consumers saying. that stupid that they don't know that they're paying more in order to get that delivered. And to them, it's a convenience. Yeah, well, it is. I agree with you. I think that you're right. I think that, I think that they're, I think some people just don't check. I don't think they're that stupid. I think pe- some people would say, oh, I'm sure it's a couple bucks more. Plus, they're paying the delivery fee. Plus, they're paying for everything else. But, I mean, I have, geez, man, when I did it. I mean, it was a few years ago when I did it. But, I mean, people, would, you would see what they would order. People would order a milkshake. And they'd be paying, like, $19 for the milkshake by the time they got it. Yeah, I, that's the other thing I don't understand is some people must have a lot of money because I did skip. And I can tell you this, that... There was sometimes where there was only a, you know, you'd go to an A&W and there's onion rings in the bag and you're doing a $6 delivery or a $7 delivery. Oh, yeah. It's not responsible. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I just don't understand how people have that much expendable income to do that. Well, it, so when you del- you delivered Skip, you said? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how did, did you notice that you went back to the same houses over and over and over again? Um, not really. There was a couple that couple of customers you got, but for the most part, it wasn't that way. It was uh, a lot of different consumers. Yeah, at the time when I did it in Calgary, it was pretty new when I did it. It was, um, you know, I mean, I would just do it like I'd literally finish a radio show and I would go drive skip for a few hours. So, mm-hmm. uh, but there was times like even in Calgary, which is a big place where you would recognize the addresses and go back to them. Now, I don't know how it works in all other cities, but typically it's quadranted off or some sort of way of broken down. And um, and it was like that. You would recognize the house. and the, You know how to get to that house because you've been there so many times before. Yeah. And so someone's got I, the money. Right. Yeah. There, there are people, and I was just shocked at the amount of money some of these people would spend for orders. It was, you know, I just, I don't have that kind of money. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, and you know what? I don't. I'm not one to eat out anyway. I don't love takeaway food so much that I think it's such a big deal. Um, and you know, without I have a hard time with this, Garth. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time because the I don't want to like I don't want to judge people. It's their decisions. They can do whatever they want. I just don't understand how you can spend you know thirty bucks for next to nothing. 
and uh, yeah, and then I, and a couple times a day. Totally agree with you on that one. I just don't have that expendable income, especially in COVID. Yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe we just don't understand, Garth, because, you know, the way of thinking is a little bit different. All I know is that there's one group that makes the money in, in this, and it's the app company. And, I mean, it was their idea. But if you can call the restaurant now, Garth, now that you've seen both sides of it, because you've been in it, your experience is a very good experience to share. You've seen both sides. So if you can call the restaurant, you go pick it up yourself for takeaway or get their delivery guy to deliver it, would you make that choice differently? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Because it would save me money. Yeah. Or it should. Well, you'd think. At least it would support the business. Yeah. I'd like to support the business. I want to support the businesses because we need them. Yeah. And I'm all for like the, the sort of... You know, the interrupter businesses that sort of get into an industry and change it, because a lot of things in this world do need change. I get that, and I'm a big fan of that, of getting in there and having the new next great idea. But the reality is, is that you can't you can't sell your apples to be able to afford to make apple pie. And I feel like that's what's happening here, is that where you can't eat your apples in order to make apple pie. And you can't do that and, and squeeze out these restaurants and have them go broke um, just because of the fact that, you know, for the delivery fee to be there. So it, it's... Um, it can't be, can't the be good. Thing, the interesting thing is the two guys that started Skip sold it to a British company for $180 million. Oh, that's the genius part. Good for them. Yeah, well, good for them. The two guys from Winnipeg are now as rich as rich can be. So Yeah, yeah well, yeah, and I even heard that, and this is, might be even just my brain not even making sense, but they were so good at their idea development that they've got exciting things coming, so that's pretty cool, too. Anyway, Garth, thank you for hearing me out and be patient with me there, Garth. I, I, oh, you bet. But Sorry it, for it matters to me. Well, no, it's okay. Thanks, buddy, for saying that. I appreciate that. But I just want to acknowledge the fact that sometimes we get into conversations, we get all excited with our ideas, and we're not listening to listen, and we're listening to think and respond. And so thanks for shifting gears for me, buddy. It makes the show better when you and I can talk about it. So thanks for that, brother. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Ruth. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 877-399-9898. Um, <laughs> uh, A&W is fantastic, says John. I made homemade moose cheeseburgers today. Very delicious. Oh, yummy. man. Thank you. That does sound good. Very gamey, but very good. Very good. Fatty, but so good, though. Um, Who wants cold McDonald's food? The fries are trash. When they're hot, they're amazing. Let's just be honest. Let's call it for what it is. They are dynamite uh, for that one. And thanks to Garth. I want to thank Garth one more time. I mean, that was pretty great there. You know, sometimes we've got to cool the jets in the conversation. He absolutely did that dance with me. So that's pretty fantastic. That makes a guy like me who does this job very happy. So I prefer the conversation. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.